This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. We're going to read several passages out of the 18th chapter of Exodus. One of the great needs today in, in life in general is good leadership. We need good leadership in our homes today. There are so many homes that are fatherless homes. They, they are lacking in male leadership. Now, some of that is, is not anyone's fault. It could be because of a death or the like. But there's a great need for leadership. There are some children roaming the streets tonight in some of the cities around America that don't know who their daddy is and they're not getting any male training that's a, that's a sad thing we need good leadership nationally in, in our in government i don't know that i've ever seen a greater need for it today you have to have good leadership in schools I'm thankful that our Christian school, Gulf Coast, well, that's the whole name, Snook Christian Academy, uh, has good leadership. Have good leadership with our principal, our president of our school, and our the heads of us schools. And uh, we also need it in the church. Good leadership. And the 18th chapter of Exodus is about leadership. And we, I will tell you the characters that are involved here. It's Moses and his father-in-law Jethro. To give you a little background, Moses had been reared in Egypt. But because he saw uh, an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite, he killed the Egyptian and had to flee the country because of that. And he came to where Jethro was, married one of his daughters, out tending the flocks of his father Jethro. And Moses then, of course, went back to Egypt, and you know the rest of that story. Now, Jethro was a priest of the, in, the, in Midian, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1, if you will, follow along, please. And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I've been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. 
And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And now he said to Moses, I'm your father-in-law, Jethro, and I'm coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him. And when they, any of you ever kissed your father-in-law? I hadn't taken up a practice, never took up a practice like that. They asked each other about their well-being and they went into their tent. That was a practice in that time. Moses told his father-in-law all that God had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake all the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. For now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing which they have behaved proudly, he was above them. And then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of the Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so it was on the next day that Moses set to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. And then Moses' father-in-law, that is Jethro, saw all that he did for the people and he said, What is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses, Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make, between, make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You're not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice and I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people that they may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifty, and rulers of ten. Let them judge the people at all times, that, it, that it, then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will not bear the burden with you. Then if you do this thing, and, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will go to their place in peace. The late Ira North said, 
building up a congregation of God's people, you delegate or you stagnate. Try to imagine this. Try, try to imagine that you have a business and you have 200 people working for you. And how, how are you, just one person, going to keep up with everything that all 200 of those employees are doing? You can't do that, can you? Uh, what you do is you hire someone else that's competent and you help them organize, plan, and supervise. When I worked at the International Paper, I worked under a supervisor. He wasn't my, he was my boss in that he supervised me. Now, he was one ahead of him, one ahead of him, and one ahead of him, all the way up to the president of the company. So you either delegate, get somebody to help you, or you're going to run into trouble. I've known of presidents in colleges and universities. I've known at least one in particular that I'm thinking about who tried to micromanage. He wanted his finger on every little detail. He wouldn't let anybody else do anything unless it first crossed his desk and he approved of it, and then he watched them do it, I think. But the university, that university, that college, eventually got into trouble under his leadership. And it resulted in him being asked to resign. Things can get out of control without good leadership. Now let's think about not, not the somebody's business or not a school, but let's think about the church. Let's think about a church that has 200 members. And we're going to pretty soon, aren't we? We're going to have 200 every Lord's Day morning, 200 soon. And this church has three elders. And in this church of three elders, Generally, they try to take care of everything that's going on in that congregation. Uh, everything that's done from maybe putting in light bulbs to changing the filters and the air conditioners to sweeping the floor and putting stripes out on the parking lot, they, they get out there and they do it. And there's one way that you're going to describe a church like that where the elders try to take care of both the physical and the spiritual matters, that church is going to stagnate. And it's, they, they need to learn the, the lesson that Jethro taught Moses. And there's just got to be a better way to do that. And, and there is a better way because it's God's way. And last time I taped television, I did several sermons entitled, God's Way is Best. And, and, it, and God's way is always best regardless of what you're doing. 
But now let's look at the story that we just read about Moses and Jethro. (coughs) And let's make some observations. I believe that this is the principle of, of, of delegation is what we're going to talk about. And I entitled it, I can't, I can't do it alone. I can't do it by myself. And, and nobody can, regardless of who they are. Now Jethro was a Midianite. And as we just read, he was a priest. And, and he came to Moses <coughs> when Moses was out in the wilderness. And, and Moses told him all that the Lord had done for Israel. And that really... Uh, piqued Jethro's interest. And he praised God for that. Praised God for the way he had delivered his people. And this is what Jethro said, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. And that's true, isn't it? It's still true. Uh, God is greater. He is above all. He was. He is above them. Uh, Exodus 20 verse 3. And Jesus said that you're to worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thy serve. So in that regard, in our lives, God ought to be number one in our lives. To love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and our strength. And to, to put him first, like the Macedonians did in 2 Corinthians 8. Now, I want you to picture Moses, what Moses is doing every day. Hear all the people. And, and, and Moses is sitting down, just one man, and he's judging all the people. Every, I, I, I don't know, does anybody have a, a good guess about how many they had about that time? Time of Moses and Jethro? Uh, it was more than we have on Sunday, I can tell you. A whole lot more. And uh, probably up into the thousands of people. But here's Moses sitting to judge the people. They have a problem, they bring it to Moses. They have a big problem, they bring it to Moses. They have a little problem, bring it to Moses. And he, he did all day, all day long. He just all, that's all he did, just sat there. I remember a number of years ago when, when I was uh, dumber. I hope I'm smarter than I was then. I was acting sort of dumb. Every Saturday, after working about 40 to 60 hours during the week, and I'd put about 20 of those hours into my sermon preparation and, uh, and out visiting people and, and, and the like was the rest of it. And... But I, I started going to my office on Saturday, which most pe- preachers out playing golf or fishing somewhere, aren't they? But I'd go to my office on Saturday, and I would spend about all day long, actually, counseling people, sometimes young people that were dealing with drugs and the like. And I thought I was doing a good thing. I was wearing myself out. Absolutely. And, and uh, so sometimes elders in the church spend long hours trying to be good shepherds of the flock of God. And they spend sometimes in meetings and, 
and uh, trying to, to work out things and get things where we kind of keep peace and unity. And, and so they spend long hours doing that. And sometimes they wear themselves out. And nobody knows how many sleepless nights an elder in the church may have because there's something that's going on that he's dealing with that nobody else in the church knows except the other elders might know. And he's dealing with that and trying to resolve it and trying to make things better and trying to help people. But, but it can't, sometimes it's hard to close your eyelids at night because that's on your mind. It's not only on your mind, but it's on your heart. Now Jethro saw what Moses was doing and he asked him, why in the world are you doing this? And I think a father-in-law might have the right to go to his son-in-law and ask him a question like that and said, why are you doing this? And Jethro told Moses, he said, he was doing a good work, wasn't he? It was a good thing he's doing judging the people. But Jethro said, what you're doing is not good. He said, you're going to wear yourself out. And Moses and the people were going to, the, the people had to be there too, you see. And they had stand, they might have had to stand in line. Do you like standing in line? They didn't have pews to sit on like we have to stand in line. We know we might sit down. You'd go up here to get your driver's license up here in Robertsdale or down here in Foley and you might have to stand. You don't stand in line. You sit in line. I don't like sit in line to you. Well, sometimes we have to do that. And he said the people were getting tired. Moses was getting fatigued or burned out. And, and I want you to look at the screen. I hope you can see it. The last sentence. Can you read that last sentence? Can you read that, Hazel? Can you see it? Read it. The last sentence. The only problem with a one-man band is when the leader stops, the music stops. Even in the Old Testament, God never intended His people to be overseen or shepherded by just one person, did he? He doesn't today. He doesn't today. Now, I know some churches have one shepherd or presbyter, they, as it might be also interpreted, uh, or, or, or bishop or pastor. Some just have one. In the church at Somerdale, anybody know how many pastors we have here? Huh? I'd hate to say which one of us quit. <laughs> we just had, we just met. We had four when we met. I mean, I was fi fi trying to figure out which one of us quit. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you, you don't need one man leading because when he stops leading, what happens to the procession? It stops too, doesn't it? Now here's Jethro's plan. 
Here's his plan. Moses couldn't do it alone. And he was told you cannot do it by yourself. That's in verse 18. We read that a moment ago. Moses was to mentor certain people to help him. Anybody got a definition for mentor? Brother Steve is, does that all every day. What, what, what is one, Steve? Teaching people how to follow. Teaching people how to do something. And I had a mentor. I had more than one, actually, as a young boy preacher. I had mentors. And if they had done a better job of mentoring, I'd be a better preacher today. But they think they did, they did the best they could with what they had to work with. Now Moses was to find certain kind of men, not just anybody. When we start looking for elders in the church, you don't just start looking for anybody, do you? There's certain kind of people, deacons the same way. We don't just start looking for just anybody. There's certain kind of people we're looking for. Now these are the kind of men that's to look for. Men who are able, capable people. He said, I need somebody to get the job done. Now, we had, we had uh, this has been a hectic day for me and Louise. I, uh, I'm not going to tell you all I went through today, uh, early, early morning. And, and, uh, but we had our, uh, what you call that thing, a microwave went out several weeks ago, so we went down and ordered one. They were going to deliver it today. We had measured for that thing. But there was one way, Wayne, we didn't measure. Well, they got to putting it up, said it won't fit. It's the wrong size. And I thought, this couldn't be happening to us. But it did. So sometimes things don't work out like we want. But these men were very capable men. They knew exactly what needed to be done. And, and, and so they said, took the other one back. We've got to go down to... Where did we buy that thing up? Uh, Lowe's, wasn't it? No, Home Depot. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lucy. I'm sorry. I apologize, but at least he wasn't buying flowers there. We get our flowers at Lowe's. We, got to, we went over there to get the, the uh, microwave. And so we got to go buy, buy another one now so they can come back and put it in. But you got to find people that know what they're doing. He, he needed men that, that would fear God. God-fearing men. And all of us ought to be God-fearing people. And he needed people that were men of truth. Men you can trust. And people of integrity. And men that hate covetousness. Men who are detached from the desire to do this for themselves. To help themselves. And so that was his plan. You need to select other people to help you. And, and Moses was to set them out as rulers over thousands. Some of them could, had the ability to take care of a thousand people. Some a hundred, some fifty, some ten. And so they, all, they didn't all evidently have the same ability, did they? And... Uh, and, and, and so Matt, Moses is going to let them handle small matters. Then uh, when they had big matter, big problem, 
they would bring that to Moses. And the people that were under him, these men that selected, were to handle the smaller matters. So I was going to make it easier on brother, old brother Moses, wasn't it? He's got some help now, Riley. He's got some help. And, and so it's going to make it easier. That's why I said, Ira Noah said, delegate or stagnate. I forgot I had it in the notes. But when we try the man-made method where the elders attempt to cover all the bases, burnout and stagnation are on the horizon for sure. Now, I can't even see that. All right, this is a man-made way of leadership. You see in the center, you've got the elders and you've got the, or the shepherds, the, uh, the overseers of the church, and, and, and you've got all that on the outside of that wheel, you've got different areas of work. And, and I can't, they're so tiny, I can, can anybody read them from down here? Can you read them, Rosa? Read them to me. Oh, three or four of them anyway. Start at the top of the wheel. Training classes. Soul winning. What's the next one? Special events. The next one. Education. All right. And on, on it goes. All the way around the wheel. And you see the arrow pointed in toward the elders? That means the elders are... are they're trying to do all of this is directed to the elders. All, now, all the elders over all the work of all the church all the time. All of them are. But the elders can't do it all. Here's a church like Moses. That represents a church like Moses where the elders are trying to take care of everything in that wheel. Now, here's another. Let's go. Here's the plan. When the load is shared by many the work that can function I don't care if it's your church whether it's your business whether it's a school whether it's leading a bunch of people like Moses was doing it can function like a, a piece of well oil machinery because you got other people helping and I heard a man with the name of, of, of Kenneth Franklin he was a preacher that preached down in Florida and then finally he preached in Mobile over at uh, where you all used to go years and years ago, Alpine Hills, when it was Alpine Hills, years and years ago, Marshall Underwood was his youth minister. And when Kenneth left there, Marshall became the preacher, and he, that stayed there till he retired, the only place Marshall ever preached. Friend of mine, good friend. Franklin said, it is better to put 10 men, and men is... Not that's generic, include women too, okay? It is better put ten men to work than to try to do the work of ten men. Amen. Yep, right. Now here's here's Jethro's plan. All right. I've got to get to uh Lucy, can you read that? You can tell me what's in the center. All right, you got the elders, they're the overseers. Hebrews 13 said to obey them and have the rule where? Over you. Elders are over the church. All the elders are over all the church all the time, okay? But you got the preacher. The preacher's in a, 
in a very unique position in the church. And so he is a leader. He doesn't make decisions. He, he does not have the responsibility that elders have. He's preached the word. But he still a, he works alongside the elders or the elders work alongside him. It ought to work both ways. But now you see the work out there. Now, Lucy, read some of the things out there in that wheel. Training classes, soul winning, special events. Now go back to the left a little bit. Go the other direction. I don't know what direction it is, whether you're looking at it. Ladies' ministry. Okay. See, the arrows are not pointing to the center. But you see, this, this represents a church where you've got all this work to be done. And the elders lead the church in getting other people involved in those different areas of work. Let's just say uh, Tyler back here. You want, I'm going to use you as an example. Is that all right? Always. Okay. Always if it's something good. Let's put it that way. Something good. Always if something good. Okay. So let's just say, uh, what, what is another one up there? Read another one to the left of where you just read. Finances? Neither another one. All right. Let's stop building in grams. Now, we've got somebody over that, but I'm, I'm going to use Tyler here as an example. Now, Tyler, elders go to Tyler and say, Tyler, we need somebody that can be over building and grounds, and, and we're going to tell you th this is what we would like for you to do. Here's how we'd like for you to take care of. Will you be willing to do that? And Tyler would say, you would. I know you would. See, Tyler would. And so then the elders will look to him to get the work done. Whatever it is, if, it's, if there is a leaking faucet in a restroom. Uh, when I preached uh, years ago, preached Old Plateau Church. Started in 1971 there, following V.P. Black. I had a deacon in the church, his name was R.C. Eubanks. And he was one of the, he was my dear friend. He was old enough to be my daddy, as a matter of fact. And I had the highest regard for R.C. Clifton was his name. And uh, he was put over building and grounds over the, the water. He worked in international paper. Now, we had a big building down there at Plateau, 35 classrooms. Brother Eubanks would get off work. He did this every day. He'd get off work at the paper mill. And on his way home, he was stopped by the church building and he would read the what? The water meter. Why would he read the water meter? Well, if he didn't use an excessive amount of water, he'd go in there and start looking where the leak was. He wasn't going to go around and look at all the different restrooms we had in there and check the baptistry and all of that to see if there was a leak. All he had to do was keep up with the, with the, with the water meter. See? He worked smarter rather than harder. So, uh, but we, we got, we're going to put Tyler over here and, and Tyler will be responsible. You see, you'd be responsible to the elders. The elders might meet with the deacon and say, how's your work going? What, what have you been doing? How have you gotten it done? I mean, you do it in a nice way, you know. 
but you have to have accountability and leadership. And, and, uh, and here's, when, when you have that, this is what you get. This is verse 23. The people dwelt in peace where there was shared duties. That's in verse, I believe that says 23, does it? It's all fuzzy to me. Now the way to dwell in peace in a church is to have everyone doing his or her part to help the body to grow. It might be no more than somebody going through this, the, these pews at the end of a service and making sure that the songbooks are back in their ranks. It, it, it might be no more than somebody making sure that the doors are locked or the lights of a, are, are turned out. You'd be surprised how many times somebody's left this building and the light's on. Light's on. And somebody has to turn them out. Be the last one out, turns them out. There should be somebody assigned to that job, see. And so you, you, we need to do our part. That's what Ephesians 4, 16. Somebody, Nathan, you, you got a loud mouth, so turn the feet, I'm a loud voice. <laughs> turn to Ephesians 4 and verse 16. You might put that back on me too. I've been referred to that way in several situations. You, Ephesians 4, 16. All right, in two minutes, explain that verse. If you can do it in two minutes. When everything works together, and every part is doing its share, then things grow the way that they should, and the body is taken care of. Okay. Right? That's right. That's exactly right. Well said. Well said. So, look at the last sentence. Now, let's see who's going to read that one. Uh, Steve, can you read that? See it from there? The last sentence? You cannot sit on the sideline and expect action. I heard about this boy that was, went out for football. The coach knew he had all the potential in the world to be a, 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 a class A player. But he just wasn't doing it. The coach couldn't get it out of him. And so he thought he would try to stimulate him a little bit, motivate him a little bit. See, the boy had to sit on the bench most of the time. He was on the bench, but the coach knew that if he would just work hard, he could be in the game all the time. So the coach went to him. He said, son, I want to ask you something. I want to ask what you would do if there was 15 seconds left in the game. We were behind six points. And if we got six points, we'd win the game. And the ball is on the half foot line. 
not foot line, high foot. And he said, I want to know what you would do, son, if this was the last play of the game, 15 seconds, high foot line, what would you do? He said, Coach, I'd scoot down on the bench where I could get a better shot at seeing it. He didn't want to get in the game. Somebody said, you go to a professional game and said, just go to a football game. And, and they said there, there are thousands of potential champions out there in that. They, they, they know exactly what he ought to do. He ought to have done it. He ought to have done it. He ought to have done this. Said they're potential champions. But the trouble is you can't get them to put their hot dog and their Coca-Cola down and put on the pads and get in the game. We have to get in the game. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.